clarity, connection, authenticity. I'm Alexa Ray, former mental health clinician turned life coach. I quit my full-time career because I was sick of working in a healthcare system where people were not getting the help they needed to actually shift and there were so many gaps present. I am shaking up the mental health game to help women reconnect to their authentic selves and rewrite their story from who they think they should be to who they want to be. In Authentically You, we'll be talking about all things that limit us from connecting to our authentic self. Trauma, self-worth, self-esteem, relationships, communication, addiction, self-compassion, body image, disordered eating, anxiety, challenging beliefs, all of these things. Bottom line is, I want this to help you feel seen, to help you feel safe, heard, and validated. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Authentically You. I am sitting here with someone who um, never met physically, but I am truly delighted to have, I'm assuming your pronouns are she and her. I didn't even ask you that, actually. They are, um, yeah. They are? Okay, cool. So I'm delighted to have her here with me virtually. And honestly, I'm just like reading through your stuff, and I'm just really excited to learn, in my opinion, some more stuff, which I think is so cool about hosting a podcast. So um, I'm here with Christy Greenwood and I'm simply going to, as I always do, you know, leave it up to that person to sort of explain who they are as a human being. But from the surface level, she is an expressive art therapist, art therapist and a registered therapeutic counselor as well. So can you please enlighten us on who you are as a person? Aww. Thank you so much for inviting me here. I uh, grew up in Manitoba and my parents are, you know, from European descent, um, Swedish, Scottish, English. And then from my mom's side, there's Cree as well. Oh and uh, yeah, now I live in the Couch and Valley on Vancouver Island. I have a 19 year old son and I live here with my husband. We grow lots of food mm. and live near the river. And yeah, I play lots of music and I love art and attempting to navigate the collective initiation of this time mm. with the gifts of creativity and embodiment as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of music do you play? I play the piano and learning the cello. And yeah, and I'd love to record music, you know, if we're going into more, uh, you know, hibernation this winter with lockdowns and things, I'll definitely be focusing more on music. Very cool. And uh, yeah, I facilitate dance journeys as well. Wow. And, and yeah, like dance temple and uh, dance retreats, obviously not a lot lately. Right. This summer, I was able to get in a couple dances uh, with some silent disco headphones outside where everyone can be distanced, and then right. my voice can go into their into their headphones. So that was really nourishing and nurturing. Can you tell me more? Like, what is a dance temple? So dance temple is basically an opportunity to move your body in whatever way mm. your body wants to converse with the music. Very cool. I think that's so amazing because I feel like we've conditioned and I used to be a professional dancer. Like I went to school for like, I worked on a cruise ship, blah, blah. So for me, it's like, you're so conditioned to fit inside the five, six, seven, eight or whatever it is, you know? And so to have freedom of movement is, I think is so it's healing number one, but I think it's something that we're not really taught as acceptable. I don't know totally on that. 
Yeah, well, I also created an online program so people can do this at home because it's so uncomfortable for people to show up and move in ways that are unconventional. You know, we're so used to these patterns of movement that respond from patterns of thought. And when we move in different ways, new thoughts come forward, uh, old traumas can come up from the body, can be really vulnerable, really tender, you know. That's why some people can only move and dance if they're drinking. Yeah, that's true, yeah. It's so powerful when we move in response to music that lights us up from the inside. And I really believe in the power of that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I mean, I'm sure I don't know if you did, but I went through a phase of partying when I was younger and and going out to clubs and things like that. And it's true how your your inhibition really fades away when you're under the influence of something. Um, And now that I'm in a very different stage of my life, I really... I can almost use it really to tap into that part of myself that appreciates music and can move my body in a way that no one is really, I I guess I feel that no one is judging me, but again, it's still like my best friend, I will just top pop on a song like a Maggie, Maggie Rogers is one of our favorites and just like move around. But I think in a setting where other people are looking at you, it can bring out, like you're saying, these thoughts of people are probably judging you. Totally. And, you know, when I facilitate, I like to speak to that, to that, you know, discomfort can arise and discomfort arises for me still after years of, you know, engaging in dance in this way. And it's part of the ceremony, it's part of the medicine of the dance to be with whatever's arising because the dance is a personal awareness practice. If we engage in it that way, Mm -hmm. to witness ourselves, to watch ourselves, to feel ourselves engaging with the space, to feeling ourselves engaging in conversation with the moment and whatever wants to show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's like you're saying, it's just truly powerful to be able to, to tap into that. And I think, so for you, you do dance temple. um, And what is that sort of your niche in your expressive arts therapy? Or is that just one aspect of what you do? Well, I am facilitating, uh, well, I studied Kundalini dance years ago. So that really informs my dance journey practice. And I do a lot of dance for sure with my one-on-one clients. Um, we can do it in any yard here outside of my studio. And, but also I love working with clay, uh, inviting people to work with photography, storytelling, collaborative storytelling, collaborative poetry, poetry, any sort of visual expression as well in response to whatever it is that they're working through. So my job, I feel, and part of my mission is to really help stoke the creative muse in people and to create a situation that nourishes the creative genius within them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the art comes forward, when, you know, when we decenter from a main issue or a trauma and we go into the arts process, we're regulating our nervous system, we're activating different parts of our brain. And when we come back to reflect on those experiences in the art and what shows up, it's amazing how much the creative genius has to inform us about our trauma and about our 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 gifts. Mm. And, about, and you know, our yeah, it's just incredible to witness the art show us parts of ourselves that maybe we couldn't see had we not allowed our creative genius to explore ourselves in the new ways. Yeah, I think that's so, so powerful what you're saying, because I feel like society as a whole tries to, I don't know how to say this, essentially like rob you from tapping into your creativity. But I think, especially if you're speaking from a trauma perspective and from a nervous system perspective, 
that's one of the main ways to like calm your, your vagus nerve. And, and I think like you're saying trauma or sorry, your creativity can show you things about your trauma and really trauma lives in your body. So I think that people really are missing the opportunity to fully heal if they're not actually learning to actually sit and and connect with their body. Totally. And I find dance or movement gives us an opportunity to take all these thoughts and pour them into shapes in the body. So the body has a whole, it's like giving the whole being an opportunity to respond to respond to the looping that's happening inside. Mm. You know, for if we get into stagnant places and, you know, the thoughts are just looping in the mind, mm-hmm. we don't really don't have our full capacity to integrate, to digest experiences and to release, to mm. let go. Yeah, I think that yeah. is true because I think it, it it sounds to me and what you're speaking about is like a, sort of an inner child situation where you're really connecting to a version of yourself that is more innocent. And we are taught usually in a very young age to let go of that expressive side of ourselves to be successful or be, you know, achieve things and be accomplished in life. But sometimes we can really, and myself included, like I, like I was saying, like I've been dancing since I was a young girl and I went through a phase where I was a condition that I had to be successful, that, you know, dance school wasn't good enough, like all these things. And so it got me to a point where I was really disconnected from my body. Um, and so I can speak to what, I guess I can embody really what you're trying to say right now and convey, because it's really powerful what movement can actually bring back to your life. Yeah. And, you know, when we look at t- toddlers, for example, and their free movement, their free expression, the way they move emotion, they move through it so quickly, you know, and the, those of us around are left in the wake of what they've expressed, but they move through it so quickly and alchemize it and come out the other side often. Well, I mean, it's not always quickly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but they have their whole body to express, you know, and then those of us who are adults, we have very limited range, for example, of movement when we're going to the grocery store, acceptable range of like, what if we even just turned our body to the side and looked up or we were mm. a diagonal that would just be strange. Just that tag going weird. a little bit diagonal, right? <laughs> I can just see you. I'm like, that would be weird if you saw someone. Yeah, not supposed to be diagonal. Got to be straight up. <laughs> Hold that card and keep it straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, with dance, I find there's an opportunity to engage in the inner, with the inner child and also all the other inner voices at the inner conference table. Right. There's all sorts of parts of ourselves that get to explore and express themselves. When yeah. Do you want to explain more? Around, sorry. Do you want to explain more around like, is I'm assuming you're talking about like a family system approach? Yeah. Kind of like that, right? Just the different voices that we have inside of us and giving them an opportunity to express through movement, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? Yeah. How does the, the, you know, perhaps there's an inner elder that's just a sprout inside of us when we're young. How does that inner elder want to move? How does, you know, yeah, I mean, even the inner critic, right? right. What it, what would happen if I gave the whole body an opportunity to move in response to my inner critic? Wow, this is deep I mean, stuff. I didn't totally. even think about this. Like, I'm just excited right now, right? And and the, or if we wanted to draw in response to our inner critic and just see what comes out, or maybe want to rip the paper up and listen to the paper tearing, and then we want to maybe write a poem in response to the paper that fell, or make it, you know, it just, it's following the creativity where it wants to go. And that's really a part of expressive arts therapy. There's a concept called the third, where you follow what's emerging okay. to, to into like unexpected results, basically just following what shows up. Wow. 
And in a session, there's myself, the client, and there's this energy of the third, which is kind of like, you know, how we're greater than the sum of our parts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like the creative genius, or some people could even call it spirit, you know, the energy of spirit, you know, when synchronistic synchronicities show up that are beyond what our logic can Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. I think we should pause here. I feel like we should take a moment for all the people listening who are coming from a logic mind and potentially are really disconnected from that part of themselves. What is something that you would tell these people that are going like, okay, Alexa and Christy, like, what are you even talking about right now? Um, how can you connect with that? If you're really struggling with feeling that part of yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. And you know what? I wouldn't say that even I always feel that way either. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that I'm supporting to build and cultivate. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say it's to me, the third is like, oh, you think about someone and then they happen to give you a phone call. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, Or you happen to bring color to the page and end up with this whole image that looks like, you know, something that just nourishes you in a way that you really didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you have someone, let's say they draw an image and they have something, is that, is the purpose then to look at that image and see what, what they see and what they reflect from that um, drawing or, or dance, whatever it was? Yeah. Well, they, that can be part of it. A lot of it is also asking them about their experience while they're in the art making process, while they're in the work, Um, just tuning into, you know, what surprised them about their experience or if there's an image, does it, when you look at the image, could, if you could imagine it had something to say to you, what would it say? Mm -hmm. Or when you reflected on your dance, if your dance was speaking to you, what do you think it would say? Even if a word, just a word comes to mind, or maybe it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's really based on consent and what people are comfortable with, right? Because expression is vulnerable for people. And often what's between people and their creative expression is a whole bunch of trauma and suppression. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to take it really gently. Yeah. And uh, yeah, tune into where they're at and what they're available to experience. I love that approach. I think consent, I think, is something that, I mean, from a trauma perspective, obviously, is something that's really impacted. But I even think as a world or as a healer, consent is such a massive thing that sometimes in the, um, and I, I don't, I don't like to say this to dis the healthcare system, but in the formal mental healthcare system, there's a lot of lack of consent based on what that person actually needs in that moment for themselves. Um, and so I think it's really, really, really important that we're speaking about that and how really, how, um, I guess valuable it is to have that in a relationship of healing, healing, because, I, I personally worked in the field for years and I don't think that it's something that's really brought to attention enough when people are talking about recovery. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I totally agree. It feels like I, I, I think with all of this nervous system information coming out onto the forefront of the mental health field, it's really supporting that. Mm-hmm. Um, inviting a more embodied approach to mental health, mm-hmm. slowly but surely. And with embodiment comes the opportunity to check in with ourselves around what to say yes and what to no. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't take embodiment lightly. It's not like it's an easy thing. And it's a, you know, I'm constantly leaving my body all the time. And I, I see that my own life practice of doing massage therapy for 22 years and all the different body work and stuff has been my practice to get into my body because it's been so hard for me to stay in my body because I leave it so much. Yeah. 
I'm right there with you. Right? It's like, yeah. hey, return, arrive again. And that's I'm where the bad. senses come in. And that's what I love about expressive arts is that it's also informing, we're informing ourselves by tuning into our senses. You know, how does the paper feel on our on our hand? What's the temperature of the paper? What's the position of our body? What about, you know, drawing as a, as a movement practice? Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, like even like there's like non-dominant, dominant hand, right? There's so much connection to using your hands and, and, and your senses in general to connect with parts of yourself that you didn't really know were there. Totally. You know, sometimes with people who feel like, oh, I can't draw this idea that you can't draw or this good or bad that stops people from at the gate from entering their creative process. So I really like to encourage making messy art, make, make art that you don't like at all, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> What was it? I was going somewhere else with that. What did you said something? Gosh, um, my memory's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like to invite people to pick up cl- colors that are attractors to them and with closed eyes, draw with closed hands, with, oh. cl- draw with closed eyes. Yeah. And just feel and hear the sound of the color landing on the paper, feel the arms, feel your breath, smell the air. If you know, mm-hmm this color on the back of the eyelids, hear the sounds in the space as a way to regulate the nervous system and introduce themselves to the paper, mm-hmm. introduce themselves to the experience. I think this really fights this quite common situation where people are fighting with perfectionism because, <sighs> you know, it's like, even myself, like I paint on canvas and I do like what I call abstract painting, but even I go through blocks where you're like, no, that splotch or whatever you want to call it isn't right. And then you have to, I really have to take a step back and be like, okay, what is this actually about for you? You know, you're not going to be some, <laughs> anyway, I don't even get into that, but you know, it's like, I really have to stop myself and then become back, become present in my body and really recognize what is the purpose of this for me? Is it, it's not about having to be perfect in this situation, especially with art. Totally. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. There's, a, there's a lot that can happen when we can step back and watch the voice that criticizes mm-hmm. and just see that as another voice at the table, yeah. you know, just like, just like the inner critic of our own, you know, especially with our bodies, right. And our culture that's inundated with, um, yeah, how we've been inundated and steeped in a culture that is based on lack of acceptance for the body that we're given. Mm. So and did you watch that embrace movie? No. So she, a woman from Australia, she goes and interviews a bunch of people all over the place, a bunch of women all over the place asking them, how do you feel about your body? And the way that they all spoke about their body was really harsh and intense. And just watching the trailer, honestly, I wept because I'd realized for the last 20 years, I've been so cruel to myself. It's like to me, it's like this almost like inner colonialism where the colonialism just like seeps in and just like, it's insidious like Mm. this. And uh, so I started to say, fuck it, I love myself. That's my new mantra. When I watch those conditioned thoughts coming in because they're not the truth Mm -hmm. of a pathology in our culture that each of that many of us, millions of us are carrying. And to me, like I stand up and and say, fuck it, I love myself is like such an act of protest. And it's a practice. Yeah. And I still fall over the other side and watch the inner critic show up. And there's sometimes when my nervous system isn't regulated, I don't feel like I have access to my tools, but sometimes I do. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think that's true. Like there's a couple of things, you know, like looking at bodies and I totally agree. Like all of the women that come to me, most women have been so cruel to themselves. And when you really become conscious to how destructive you've been towards your own self and how you've just been so mean for so many years for most people, how, when you become conscious to those things, it can be so evolutionary for you because you're like, what was I thinking? You know, when you really look at the bigger picture of life and this conditioning that we've been taught that our body is what matters and what our body looks like is what determines my worth as a person. And you can learn to, like you're saying, have tools to, you know, not every day, but you know, hopefully more and more days as it goes, be able to fight that thought and be able to shift that belief that you have about yourself can truly just be like changing. Yeah. And I've even like changed it less from fighting the thought to holding that part of myself that's conditioned and saying, that's okay, Christy, that's a conditioned thought. I understand why you had that thought, but it's not the truth. That's a great, great point. And it's almost like holding the inner teenager, just like, just like wrapping her in and saying, that's okay. I understand why you feel that way. And, but it's not true. That's no. actually not, a, it's not a real thing. No, it's not. And I think that's like what you're speaking about is self-compassion, right? And yeah. Compassion is one of the biggest aspects of accepting who we are as a person. Because if we're going to fight cruelty with more cruelty and like fight ourselves for being criti critical on ourselves and we're adding more fuel to the fire then it's more shaming yes. of, of conditioning so it's like oh I totally well, there's that there's that voice again okay i understand why that voice is there yeah i literally just did a podcast by myself on this with like around like self-esteem self-compassion and why having tough love on ourselves is doesn't evoke change that we want even though we like you're saying have been conditioned for so long to believe that's what is true yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'll tune into that podcast. Yeah, I'll let yeah. you. Know, I'll let you know when it's up. But I'm, great. Like I'm so sick of, and I also lived that life for a long time. Where, like, I was a fitness competitor, and so I used to live in a larger body, and I went straight from that larger body into competing in fitness, thinking that this was, you know, if you shrink your body and you have this con like conventionally attractive body, then you will love yourself. And, um, and so I lived this tough love mentality for years around, you know, no, you're just weak. If you can't go to the gym at five in the morning and all these things that come with that. Um, and now that I'm on the other side and, and like you're saying, it's, it's not a perfect journey for me because for years I was conditioned to believe that. But now that I'm, you know, in this, this con this connection to my authentic self more and more every day, I, I look back and I go like, wow, like this is literally how most of the world has been taught. And like you're saying, just saying like, this is something you were conditioned to believe. It's not, I'm not shaming you for thinking that you should not th think that way, but we need to change the game here, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even if I find myself shaming that part of myself, I try to shame the part, not shame the part that's shaming. It's such a game, right? It is. It's so <laughs> complex. <human. laughs> <So> <laughs> And I also think I wanted to bring up the point. I'm really shocked that I remember this actually. Like, I'm like, every time I interview someone, I'm like, I remember that and that and that. And then I'm like, mm, I don't know. But I actually remember this time um, where, okay, now I don't even remember it. I, I was so close. <laughs> I was so close. Um, what were we talking about? We were talking about, this is me being vulnerable at my most right now, because this is a, even when I'm teaching my students, like I'm a part-time professor and when I'm teaching them, like, I want you to know that I have various brain parts throughout the day. And this is just who I am. And I actually have one lady watch a video of mine and she told me that I was on drugs or I was drunk or something. 
And I was like, that's really <laughs> offensive because I'm actually just, this is just who I am as a person. Um, anyway, we're talking about the embrace and how we live this life of being conditioned. And I think for you, the big part that you're talking about that I want to touch on is how I think we've been also taught that healing should be this linear line. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, even someone who is well-voiced and um, trained in therapy and trained in healing, you still have days that are tough and you still have days where you're not um, centered in your body. And I think it's really key that we speak about, um, and I talk with my clients, with my clients, it's like a spiral where sometimes you're going to pop back in this loop um, of old patterns, old beliefs. And, but when you have the tools and that foundation, it's easier to get back out of that loop and move forward again. So I think, can you speak to that around your own journey or working with people? Hmm. Yeah, I really try to, I not try, but I, I like to be authentic with my humanness in my facilitation, mm-hmm. you know, um, just because we're human. Mm-hmm. And this idea that because someone's in a teaching role or a therapist role, this, that, that it's just like, I'm stone cold, like got it all figured out. Like to me, that doesn't feel relatable. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> right. And yeah, I just don't resonate. It's just not true. No. And I think that's really old school thoughts, not even old school. Cause before Western medicine came into play, there were things that people call alternative types of healing now, but they're not actually alternative. They're the original. Yes. Um, you know, but I think in Western medicine, we are taught that the therapist or the healer, I like to call people healers, um, but they're above those who they're helping. And I think that the evolution of healing is, is shifting back to like, we are humans. As you say, we all have experiences that have brought us to where we are today. And it doesn't make, I'm not better than you because I'm on this side of the table. Right. And I think that's really, really key that we speak about that because I'm sick, literally freaking sick of people thinking that you have to, like, even like, I remember talking about like learning in school, like, Oh, well, when you're in therapy, you can't drink water. You can't, um, you know, evoke emotion, like all of these things. And I think there will be people who resonate with that still. And that's what works for them. But I don't think that that shows people authentic connection to yourself. Totally. You know, in expressive arts therapy, we're encouraged that if there is emotion there to allow it to be there, obviously not to the point where someone's having to hold space for the therapist because no, there no, is no. that and that is really not yeah, dysfunctional. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, if over a tear wants to come out of the eye mm-hmm. and you need to drink some water, that's okay. Yeah. You know? And I really, in my, in my work and in my group and private practice, I'm there to lift up the inner guide in each person. I'm mm-hmm. not there to guide people, even though maybe there are things that are supporting guidance. I'm here to create a space and a situation invitations that support them in elevating their inner guide, because that is something I revere in each person who walks in the door. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I'm there to, I'm there to serve that. I'm there to serve their inner guide. I love that. I think that's really even a step above the way I think of like, oh, I'm a guide, but really I'm not even a guide. You're just opening space for them to guide themselves. Yes. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. I think that sort of segues into like my curiosity and, and of course, just whatever you're willing to share around 
um, how you got to where you are today in your, in your own healing journey, in your own, you know, evolution of where you're working and where you're living, things like that. Wow. That's okay. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> so I, you know, I grew up in Manitoba. I grew up as a gymnast. I, used to dance a lot always free dancing always making things always being creative taking photographs creativity was has always been what i love you know in my early 20s i looked at the expressive arts therapy program and then i got pregnant and mm. yeah i did massage therapy for 20 years studied reiki became a yoga teacher studied jin shindo lomi lomi um yeah and body talk wow lots of and lots of things mm -hmm. and traveled a bunch and then yeah i had my son and lived in tofino for five years and then wow. moved with my um with my husband who came into my son and i's my life when my son was four okay and uh yeah yeah had a very challenging time with my son's father extremely mm. challenging it was very really traumatic mm. and it's been trauma that i'm working through uh you know, and healing from. Mm -hmm. And we moved to the valley and we're, yeah, we just love it. We have two and a half acres here and we've had lots of different animals that we've had the blessing to live with here. Right. My son is 19 and that's been a huge initiation and in growth for him, you know, moving forward. And he had a, you know, a big challenging teen, mm -hmm. you know, chapter that we all moved through. And mm -hmm. yeah, and you know, once COVID hit, I saw that I couldn't keep doing massage with all of the different restrictions. I, I really felt like I was at my limit. I'd already burnt out a number of times with body work. Mm -hmm. um, and then I saw this expressive arts therapy program and I realized I could do it online. And cool. all of my other training and my, the university that I had done has all added up to a, like a bachelor's degree. I was able to get into the program. It was a huge gift. Wow. And so I've just recently retired from massage and engaging in this new expressive arts therapy program. And I've been working therapeutically with people the whole time, you know, um, but now it's at a different level and it feels like, oh, that's why I've gathered all of these art supplies for so many years. And it's like it's all coming together, this oh, I love accumulation. It's amazing. I am like pinching myself. I'm like, this is real. I'm on the same journey as you. Like, I'm so, I'm not new to like therapy, but I'm new to having my own business and being like this person who's like, leave this career behind that makes you feel like security, a sense of security. And like, let's just go out and do something, but how everything just lines up. And I think when you show up for yourself and you're doing something that you're truly supposed to be doing, how things just pop up and you're like, ah, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that that's happening for you too. And you're feeling that alignment. Yeah. Total alignment. Yeah. And you know, for years I knew there was something else, but I also knew I didn't want to go back to school because I didn't want to take time away from my son. That was just my own choice. Cause I wanted to be there for him as much as possible. And with him graduating and getting older, I was like, there's space for me now to do this. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's an alignment in connection with time, right? Sometimes we have to be yeah. so patient. Yeah. Feels like it takes a long time, you know? Yeah, it's true. I have clients who say that too. Like, I this is what I want, but I know right now I can't have this vision of a life that I want. And I'm because they have kids, usually it's whatever roulette yeah. around, right? 
But if you had, if you're talking to that person or that version of yourself, what would you say when you're talking about just waiting it out? Hmm. I would say as much as you can attempt to accept where you're at Mm. to because resistance can be a huge energy leak. I love that. And even if there's resistance, can you accept the resistance? Mm -hmm. Explore that resistance too. Totally. Or move it through your body or draw a picture in response to the resistance of what chapter you're in, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's inevitable that resistance shows up, you know, the sort of, I mean, that's, I guess it's kind of speaking to the spiritual bypass piece, you know, it's like this idea that we don't resist or we don't, I don't know. I'm just so, I'm just so, I feel like I went through the new age chapter and then just got spit out the other side. And I'm like, what the, (laughs) now that it's all getting like broken down and dismantled and so, you know, there's lots of beautiful gifts there, but Yeah. yeah, the bypassing stuff, I'm just not into it, you know? No, no. Bypassing our grief or our anger, you know, all of these I can't deal. No, can't. No, and I find it interesting how, like, there are certain people who are like, no, I don't need to. You know, like, I know you've been through. I like to call people who've experienced trauma something that they lived a colorful life. Like I say about myself, I've lived a colorful life. Um, But people who who have lived that and feel like they can just push it all down and not actually sit with it or explore it or or release it, I think. I mean, I accept people as, as that, because that's who they are. But at the same yeah. time, I just think they're missing out on so much of who they are as a person. Totally. And I, I respect that there's an intelligence involved that's protecting them from something that's really painful until there's the time available for them to engage in that. Mm-hmm. Obviously people can get triggered and have things erupt in any moment, but when we don't actively unearth our unprocessed trauma in a way that's gentle and nourishing for us or in a supportive space, those, those, that unprocessed trauma is just behind all the behavior that we're engaging in. I think that's one of the core pieces, the core problems on the whole planet. <laughs> you know, the unprocessed trauma is like at the core of people who are addicted to money and want to destroy things at all costs in order to have money, you know, destroy nature at all costs just yeah. to feed this, endless pit of money that they need that this void that will never be filled meanwhile they have far more than enough right yeah and it's unprocessed trauma behind that Mm -hmm. and i totally agree with you and i think there's just so many people that don't not i don't want to say don't they they probably don't have the capacity to see that that's the truth you know yeah they're not they're not really there and they might never get there and that's what we have to accept i think like we're speaking about before we got on here talking about how there are so many different perspectives and realities in the world. And, and sometimes that is someone's reality. Like they're not willing to visit that part of themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a humbling that comes when we can face our own grief and go through the eye of the needle of our own pain Mm -hmm. and it's messy and it's so painful. It's like, no wonder if you don't want to go there. Mm. It's so intense. It's so intense so intense and I was going to say you know I'll tell people like living with unprocessed trauma is really hard but healing from that is it's a lot harder and then you know I think that sometimes can what you're saying is like freak people out they don't want to go there but at the same time it changes who you are it, it really connects you to who you are at the core level and that's what is so magical about actually doing healing work totally 
And there's all of the nutrients that we can gather from those experiences when we take the time to digest, receive the nutrients, discard the toxins, and filter the experience to compost what's good into new growth. I love that analogy. I love that. Yeah, like use it and then and and use whatever you process to actually help you build up who you are again. And, and I think that's what's so cool that a lot of people don't realize that they feel like they're stuck in this version of themselves. They feel like they're attached to this belief or this story that they've been living when what you're, I think what you're saying, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that we all have the ability to have a new birth and a, and a regrowth of who we are as a person. If we simply just give ourselves that opportunity. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and not to say again, like I don't get stuck, I get massively stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I get unstuck, it's pretty freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do get really stuck and it's so painful. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I really believe that we have the capacity to create new beginnings all the time. Mm-hmm. Make little choices that, you know, accumulate into big change. And when we, you know, there's when we give ourselves the chance to let our trauma inform where we're going, I think our capacity for empathy grows our capacity for our work and service grows because we understand what it feels like mm-hmm. to be in the dark, in the, in a hole of pain, of grief. Yeah. I totally agree. And like, uh, from a healer perspective, like when you can really connect with what that person is feeling, you know, in an empathetic empathy sort of way, it really helps that person feel understood and that person feel heard and validated. And that's really, I think what a lot of people need and want at the end of the day is to feel like, oh, you hear what I'm saying. You actually see me as a human being. Yeah. I think that's a big gap that's in a lot of um, Western medicine, in my opinion. Totally. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when, as soon as I talk about empathy, all of a sudden I want to talk about boundaries. Mm. Love boundaries. (laughs) Right. Because I, I feel like as an empathetic person, I've not had enough boundaries in my life. And you know, in the last few years, I'm 44 now. So starting to get more boundaries, thank God. Mm. They're so incredible when you find out, like I say, I lived for years with not having enough boundaries. And now that I love putting them everywhere, not walled boundaries, but healthy boundaries. Yeah. It gives you so much more capacity. Totally. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I find what also supports my boundaries is like the nurturing of my core center. You know, if I can root my, my energy down into the core of the earth and up to the sky and just like tune into this core energy line and, and let that radiate out, mm-hmm. it creates this boundary in itself. And instead of just like having a wall and then perhaps kind of maybe weakening from the inside, it's like, how do I strengthen my boundaries? By tonifying the core and i'm not talking about physically even though that may be a part of it i'm talking about energetically by by coming in towards the center of my being and living from there Mm. because then when i'm living from there i can sense when something's a yes for me and when something's a no right because i'm tuned in to my inner compass Mm -hmm. that's beautiful And I think that's so wise. Like if you're taking anything away from this conversation, which I think there's so many amazing tidbits is, is 
if you're learning to set boundaries, which I think every person is, I think it's a, a trend right now too, I feel with boundaries, but right is to, to actually just sit and listen. And, and, and like you're saying, ground yourself and, and connect with your core. Um, but I think that's a, probably something that a lot of people wouldn't really understand how to do, you know, do you have any thoughts around, I'm assuming like, obviously a lot of, a lot of embodiment and movement and things like that would do that. Um, yeah. Do you have any like takeaway that someone could do? You know, I find even just imagining that you're a tree mm. and that you have roots that go deep down into the ground and a tap root that goes really deep into the earth. Mm. And there's energy that rises up from those roots, nutrients that can support you in feeling alive. And then imagining, you know, the sun, you're feeding on the sun from above and it's shining down on you coming through the crown of your head, bathing through your eyes and nose and face, bathing through the mind, bathing your whole body in light and going, and that light goes all the way down through the roots, down into the core. It's this relationship to like the vertical axis between earth and sky. Oh, I love that. I was trying to envision it when we were, when you were telling me, I think it's incredibly impactful in my opinion, to have that perspective of, and I think an analogy is really um, I don't even think of the word people can use it really well to, cause it's something simple. I'm a tree. And then any person, even if you're really stuck in that logical part of your brain can really think about, okay, what does a tree do? You know, yeah. I think it's also across age ages and diversity. It's all inclusive in all of those situations as well. And, and that's the power of imagination. And that's what I love about expressive arts therapy, because we have the power to imagine and one of my colleagues, another colleagues, expressive arts therapist, Nadine Shelley, she reminded me recently, it's our responsibility to imagine a beautiful future. Mm. And I've been really appreciating that. And the power of our imagination is so incredible. That's so incredible. And, you know, and if also the tree piece, if, you know, if that doesn't work for people, I invite people to tune into their senses. Mm -hmm. What do you feel at the end of your fingertips? What temperature do you feel in the space? Do you feel the weight of your body being supported by the chair or the floor? Look at the colors in the space, the shapes. Sometimes I'll invite people to imagine as if the color in the space could turn its volume up in color. That's cool. what, do you, what do you hear? Do you hear your breath? Do you hear sounds in your space, sounds farther away? What do you smell? What's the taste in your mouth? Mm. How do your clothes feel on your body? Mm. How does the breath feel as it enters your being, as your ribs expand and contract receiving air? What is your breath telling you about the moment? Mm -hmm. Does your body posture want to change to support your breath? I just want to pause and just tell you how amazing I think you are. Um, <laughs> I do. Thank you. Yeah, I just think you're really incredible. And I think you're just, um, I'm going to get emotional here, but I'm a big gift to this planet. I think that, you know, um, we need more people like you on this earth. So. I just want to say that from the bottom of my heart. Oh, Alexa, yeah. thank you. Mm -hmm. Making me cry. <laughs> uh, I'm a crier for all of my all day, every day. Well, I, I, I echo the same for you and what you're bringing forth is just so important. Mm -hmm. Mission you. and what you're, the messages that you're sharing are really needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in, especially in the world as it is today, you know, I think people who are trying to help people see a different side or a different version of who they think that, people think they can be is really, really important right now. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I want to ask you one random question before we go. Okay. Um, where are you from Manitoba? I'm from Dryden, Ontario. Oh. So I'm like, oh, I kind of know where, I mean, I know Amanda, Manitoba. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm like, oh, it's kind of, we're kind of from the same area. Just, I mean, different province, but same area. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm from Lockport, Manitoba. So oh. half an hour north of Winnipeg. Yeah. Oh yeah. My auntie and uncle used to have a trailer out there, I think. Really? Go there. Yeah. That's so cool. cool. <laughs> that's opening us By the river? Near the river? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I probably grew up like five minutes from there. Oh, weird. I think it's so weird. This is happening a very, like few times where it's like, oh, we were literally probably in the same area at some point. Not totally. Time, maybe, but yeah, I love connections like that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to, first of all, again, thank you for coming on here. I think for all of those who are listening, um, this has been a true, true honor to have you on here. Um, and I'm curious, what is one message that and this is maybe a big loaded question, but one message you would give and, and leave people who are listening with us today? I'd love to invite people to listen to the whispers if there's something creative that they've been wanting to explore, to go for it. Mm. Because every day is a gift and we only have days. Days are gifted to us and that's all we have is these days that are gifted to us. If you've been you know, considering having a morning practice when you wake up before you check your phone, I also invite that to you if that feels good. Whether it's just putting on a song and dancing or, you know, taking some breaths to, you know, connect with your core before the rest of the world starts to seep in or dream journaling or anything. Morning practice and creativity would be something that I would love to invite. Beautiful. I, I appreciate that. I love a morning routine as well. And I think I could just have a three-day morning routine. <laughs> <laughs> I really got off my morning routine for a really long time. And it's been it's been hard for me to get it back. And I'm really working towards it. Yeah, it is hard once you get off. I totally agree. And I've been there many times. Yeah, but, it's cool. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also, what I like about that is when you get off it, then you also have this opportunity to recreate what it looks like you know, maybe Good point. you want to shift something. Maybe you want to try something different. And maybe that's one of the, the reasons why you fell off of it. I don't know. Well, I used to do yoga every single day and then I had my son, but that's 19 years ago and now he's not really around. So I can't blame him anymore. <laughs> can't blame like parenting on, you know. But, you got to uh, pass that one. <laughs> right? You got to move. Um. Yeah. It's so worth it though. Showing up, you know, for the, for ourselves and our bodies in the morning. I agree. I agree. It really sets it down for the day. Cert- oh. Totally. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where can people find you? I'm going to put it in the thing, but I always like to ask people. Um, I'm Christy rainbow, Christy rainbow Dawn on Instagram and Christy greenwood.com. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Chris- we'll make sure I put that in the, the description as well. Sounds great. C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming. It's it's been amazing and that's the short of it. I've really enjoyed this opportunity talking with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you. Hello, lovely human, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Authentically You. It truly it means a lot to have you here listening, and I hope you really took something away from this episode. If you are ever looking for more, check me out on Instagram. I am posting inspirational stuff there all the time, and if you ever want to dig deeper, 
please reach out to me as well and let's have a chat about you doing some deeper one-on-one healing because let me tell you that is when the true magic happens Thank you.